What happens when two dudes, one a retired Navy SEAL commander in Colorado Springs, and the other a hippie meditation teacher in New York City, get together to discuss living mindfully? That's a great question, because we don't know what will happen either. Raw, uncut, and unapologetic. Welcome to Men Talking Mindfulness with co-hosts John McCaskill and Will Schneider. Each week, we take an authentic dive into how mindfulness continually impacts our lives, deepens our relationships, and allows us to be emotionally alive. Now, on to the show. All right. Self-sabotage. It's when we say we want something and then go about making sure it doesn't happen. That's a quote by Alice Cornyn Selby. Welcome to Men Talking Mindfulness, where we do our best to demystify and make mindfulness meaningful to you. I'm John McCaskill here in Colorado Springs, and my awesome co-host there, Will Schneider, is joining me from New York City to help us understand self-sabotage, what it is why it's so pervasive and so destructive, and how to decrease it in our lives. We're bringing one of our previous guests back, Dr. Rob Kelly, who will join us here in a second. But before we do that, I'll kick it over to Will for any announcements. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Men Talking Mindfulness. Uh, You know, and our podcast just isn't a place uh, to learn about mindfulness. It's also a place to practice Since since December. John and I have added over a dozen various types of meditations to our podcast platforms and our YouTube channel. These meditations vary in length, too. So if you need a quick fix, you can try something like the seven-minute reset, refresh, express meditation, or take a deeper dive into John's 20-minute peace and relaxation meditation, which I really love. And I I did it for a couple weeks, John, and it was like, I still, like, I love the balloons (laughs) floating off into the sky and away from me. Feels so good. Um, and hey, if you're a company leader uh, or if you uh, work for a particular company, want to bring mindfulness to your workforce and enhance your culture, hit us up. Um, we have helped several companies already understand mindfulness and how to weave it into the workplace. And maybe yours is next. If you want to learn more, um, please send us an email uh, to, to myself at will at mentalkingmindfulness.com or over to John at uh, john at mentalkingmindfulness.com. And let's bring up our special guest, Dr. Rob. Oh, there he is. How are you doing, Dr. Rob? How are you doing? Good to see you. Good, good to have you. Good, good, great to have you back. So this little bio on Dr. Rob. Dr. Rob Kelly is a world-renowned addiction expert and CEO of Rob Kelly Recovery. He has appeared on multiple TV talk shows talking about addiction. He holds two PhDs with his first... um, from for a first in philosophy from University of Oxford University, sorry, and the second one from the uh, University of Southampton in behavioral science. Um, this is Dr. Rob's second appearance on Men Talking Mindfulness. We are super stoked to have him back and feel he is one of the best teachers we can interview to help us understand what self what self sabotage is, where it comes from, and how to get past it. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Rob and learn more about um, uh, Please check out our Men Talking Mindfulness interview with him on understanding addiction. Uh, we will drop that in the pod, um, the pod link in the comments here. So um, welcome, Dr. Rob. Great to have you in the show. How are you feeling? The, uh, living the dream instead of dreaming and living. I'm feeling great. I don't have there bad days go. today. I have better days than others. 
Yeah, uh, like, like, just like for those guys that listen and going, how oh, I didn't know I had a sociology degree, I have a psychology degree. Uh, just a little wow. twitch there. So yeah, it's all about the oh, mind. Oh, sorry, the psychology degree. I have yeah, psychology degree. Yes, and behavioral sciences as well. <clears throat> um, so like, we're going to start with a little grounding practice. Um, John, let's uh, please calm us all down with a little bit let's of grounding, and let's, let's do, do it. it. And we'll. Uh, you know, we'll tie self-sabotage or countering self-sabotage into this. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. If it's uh, comfortable and you're in a place that it's safe to do so, go ahead and close your eyes or lower your eyelids or just soften your gaze. And let's bring our attention to our breath, the physical sensations of breathing, noting, noting where the air is entering and leaving our bodies. Don't feel that you need to force anything, just note it. Note how when you breathe in, your diaphragm drops down, your lungs expand, your chest and belly expand. In the reverse, as you breathe out, diaphragm pushes back up, shrinking your lungs, shrinking your chest and belly. Note how that feels. And as we are doing the show on self-sabotage or countering it, let's think about some ways that we may actually do that in our lives every day, even subtle ways, negative narratives, limiting beliefs, and imagine those, as Will was talking about before, as balloons that we're all holding on to. We're holding on to the strings of these balloons. I am not good enough. I am not smart enough. Those types of thoughts, those are in these balloons. And just imagine yourself letting these go if not permanently, at least for this episode, and we'll talk through how to let them go permanently, but imagine those balloons leaving us with self-confidence and belief in ourselves. Imagining a brighter, better future for us and those around us. Now let's wrap it up with one deep cleansing breath together, breathing in through your nose, filling up your lungs. Hold at the top, notice that fullness and release, letting it go nice and slow, 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 letting it go like you let those limiting beliefs and destructive thoughts, negative narratives go. And now when you're ready, start to come out of the practice, bring some movement back into your body and let's get into it. Will over to you, brother. Oh, you're muted, buddy. Okay. Hey, Dr. Rob. Uh, thanks for joining us. Sorry. I was like, I, I like I to go on to yeah. mine for a second. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, I think it'd be good, Dr. Rob, to start with like, you know, how would you um, define self-sabotage? Well, for me, uh, as most of you listeners and viewers will know, I'm an alcoholic. 
Uh, I like drugs as well, uh, but um, self-sabotage would, would come from my my uh, my childhood. So the core beliefs or family beliefs that I'm, I'm dealt with, along with the disease of alcoholism, uh, which is a predisposition, so I couldn't help it. Uh, is telling myself I'm not good enough, telling myself I can't achieve anything. And then what happens with me is, and every real alcoholic out there, alcoholics and drug addicts are slightly different. One's born, one's made. And as the addictive personality, uh, if the self-sabotage in your pathways will pick on anything over a considerable period of time, that, let's say, for instance, I, I get a job, I get a car, I get a wife, a, a couple of kids, everything's going great. Well, my mind somehow will be looking uh, for somewhere to break that down and, and to fail because part of my brain uh, is telling me. Hey, hey Dr. Rob, well, Dr. Rob, sorry. I think your microphone is like kind of getting underneath your chin a little bit. Maybe you can pull it out a little bit. So, uh, yeah, there we go. So we don't sorry. get that disruption. That sorry. No, no, no. That's okay. Yeah. I just, we just want to hear all your wisdom. So thank you. And, and, uh, and, and you can, yeah, go pick up where you left off. If you like, so what happens with my brain is it will, it will self-sabotage with the self, uh, sabotage neural pathways. So when I'm born, there's more self-sabotage than there is, uh, good normal neural pathways. Alcoholics are born with more neural pathways that self-sabotage. So for me, it's real easy to self-sabotage. And for the normal person, it's it's easy, but it's not as easy because I'm always meant. But when we go back to trauma and we look at the trauma as our childhood, that plays into self-sabotage. And I'll just give you one little time because most people think, well, I've not been in a plane crash. Here's, here's something you're going to carry to the future. Mom says to you, how many times have I told you you can't go to college like your brother. Now that sticks in the subconscious brain. And what happens later on in life, 10, 20, 30, 40 years down, when you go for that job, that, that college, that car, that girl, is that voice will flip over to the prefrontal cortex and the, and the mindset will be, don't be so stupid, you can't do that. And it's very strong. And, and here's, a lot of people don't know this, but <clears throat> there are two or three voices that we hear in our head. The first of all, we're here when we do something wrong. We know we're doing something wrong. Our stomach, our voice changes slightly in the head. You go, uh-oh, this is not right. I'll get away with it this time. And then you have the nice calming voice that goes, hey, great job. Buy your wife some flowers. Book a table for tonight. You, do, you know, everything's good. So my self-sabotage speaks to me in the same tone as it does when I'm buying flowers for the wife. It doesn't think, oh, hang on a sec, that's not right. So the internal dialogue has a huge part to play in my self-sabotage, which is purely destruction of oneself, one's soul, one mind, uh, and the energy around you. I've also uh, come to understand that uh, um, self-sabotage is kind of the resistance to our higher self or the things that we want to do or the things that we, you know, you talk about living the dream, right? The, um, you know, like the things that we really dream ourselves of doing. And then there's this, there, then there's this like resistance, this voice you you said that like this darker voice. Um, you know, take us a little bit further into that, if you will, please. Most people uh, don't believe they're good enough, unfortunately. And again, it comes back from the childhood, the trauma from the childhood. So one thing I had to accept when I was doing work on myself, and I don't want to sit here as some sort of guru. Only seven years ago did I have to go back into a treatment center, the Meadows. It's more of a hospital to work on my PTSD and self-sabotaging because it carried over. So self-sabotaging talk and self-sabotaging uh, your pathways from the trauma are ingrained into the brain. 
So they become my go-to all of the time. If only we knew how powerful we really are, your problems are over. So <clears throat> I say to a patient every time, if we could swap places for like three minutes, all your problems would be over because you don't see what I see. So we see great men doing great things. We see presidents, we see captains of industry, we see footballers, and we go, oh my God, yeah, he was always meant to be a footballer. He was always meant to be something. Guys listening at home and girls, always. And the only person that's stopping you doing that is you. So we need to look at the traits. We, we call it going back to the scene of the crime because you don't just suddenly go, oh, I don't think I'm good enough. You know, anything less than nurturing as a child is child abuse. So talking from young, internal dialogue, that's where we go every single time because we never think that, that we can achieve much. And it is so untrue. And that internal dialogue is so powerful with us. And sometimes it pops out while you're in the waiting room to go into that interview. Or for me, when I'm on stage of that thousand people waiting for me to speak, it's, it tries to get in from the subconscious brain. What the hell are you doing here? Are you kidding me? These guys are far more superior than you. You've got nothing to teach them. <clears throat> so building that up through the years by doing certain techniques in the morning before I start every single day reinforces the fact that I am good enough and I, I am uh, fantastic at what I do. I look great, I sound great, I feel great. All these things that are just, you know, coming to the forefront of their head, the prefrontal cortex, that gets me in that position to enjoy life and be confident. But the only reason why we know we're confident is when somebody tells us. And in, in today's world, people don't tell each other enough. You know, people think we already, oh, Dr. Rob, yeah, he's amazing. Have you told him? Nah, I mean, <laughs> he already knows, but yeah, don't be stupid. We don't know, okay? We, nobody knows unless somebody tells us. So the footballer playing football, there's hundreds of millions of people watching him. Great, he knows he's good. The average guy in the street when he does something good, nobody tells him that. That was amazing. That was, a, And we collect that information in our subconscious brain. That's what gives us the confidence. And then we change neural pathways from self-sabotaging, which is our normal route, end of story. That's our freeway out of our main city. We try and change it over through thought patterns, NLP, SE, and psychology to good, confident, successful neural pathways. And we have a, we've studied this over many, many years. And there's a time frame before that, when we're doing our work, that we can change self-sabotage to good. And that time frame is 7.3 seconds when we get to wow. choose whether we're going to go on and knock it out of the park or we're going to sit there, you know, as our trauma tells us that we're not good enough. Everybody, now listen to this carefully, guys, listen at home. Everybody is born with a million dollar mind. When you mm -hmm. start hanging around 10 cent minds, that's when the self-sabotage comes in. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. as a huge part to play. If you've asked yourself one thing, if not you, who? Mm -hmm. well, I can't do that, Joe. I'm, I'm, look, Everybody in America used to say, hey, I just say to them, hey, listen, you can do anything you want. Well, I can't be president of the United States. I beg to differ. We had a, let's forget the political views. You had a business around the country. Don't tell me you can't do anything. Don't tell me it. It's not. Give me one reason why you can't. Well, it's because that's an excuse. Give me a reason. Well, that's an excuse. Give me a reason why you can't do it. Well, I've not mm. got a master's degree. Unless you're a doctor or a therapist, or something scientific researcher, you don't really need a college degree because these days it's all experience. Life experience will take you in. 
So anything that you want to do, start at the bottom, start whatever you got to do. I'm telling you this, if me or anybody listening to this, if me and you followed a surgeon round, let's say a knee surgeon, and we watch him do a knee replacement for a month, me and you could do that. That's how smart our brain is. Show me, mm. don't tell me, show me. Show me guys how, how, how confident you can be. Show me how successful you can be. And, and, and people don't want to believe that they're that powerful. I think a lot of it comes from fear, you know, fear of fear of failure, but also fear of success. I mean, I think a lot of people are, are they don't realize it, but they're scared of success. Um, and then the self-sabotage is a way of protecting them from failure. Uh, you know, if they if they convince themselves that they're not good enough and then they're not going to go up and do that talk in front of a thousand people or they're not going to do uh whatever it is then they then they don't risk failure yeah and and if they do do that talk in front of a thousand people but they've told themselves hey i'm not good enough and then they fall on their face their their mm -hmm. face then they say well it's exactly what i thought i told myself i wasn't good enough i i knew i was right i should never have been up there i was out of place and it's a it's a way of protecting ourselves from from failure all the time all the time, most people do this, scared of success, scared of failure, especially addicts and alcoholics. Uh, but uh, everyone suffers from it, like you just said. Well, I told you so, I told you you'd fail. Yeah, that's a cop out. What if I don't succeed? Or what if you do? Mm -hmm. What if I do succeed? Start moving forward. Life's for living. You can do anything you want to do and literally mean anything. It mm -hmm. really is that easy. You're sick of your wife, get a new wife. You're sick of your car, get a new car. You don't like your job, get a new job. People get stuck in this route and they self-sabotage and, you know, this is what I'm here for. This is my lot in life. You look at some of the some of the guys in the past have been successful. KFC guys, 60-something. You know, you can go through all, all them. I mean, not started until the 40s and 50s. Yeah. You know, it's you can do anything you want, but you have to face the fact with this, with this belief, successful or not successful, afraid of both, trauma. Comes, goes back to your trauma. As a child, mm. you need to go back and address that. So if you're on, on stage or TV or something you're, and you're telling yourself that, oh, my God, oh, my God, what if, what if, you've not done your work, you've not done the work on the trauma, you've not gone back to the scene of the crime where that happened mm. and really talked about that. We have to uncover, discover, and discard to get rid of self-sabotage. And it's nothing you've done in the last five years, ten years. Back to when you was a child. The core beliefs in the family system, that's what happens. And working class or less than working class, which where I come from, I was told, you grow up, you'll never go to college, you go and work at the gas company with your dad, you dig roads up and, and you fix the gas pipes, you'll have a couple of children, you live in a small house and you go for a beer every Friday and Saturday night with your friends. That's it. That's your life. That's done. And for some no reason, I didn't like that life. I didn't. I love my dad and I love my mom and I love where they live on this and the projects. I love all that, but I was destined on you. And when I started proving it to myself and then working with others, because you've got to remember that I've not just worked with a couple of hundred people, 7,000 people over the 35 years I've been doing this. You know, there's a lot of people that are successful because of the, the program and the, and the detail and the knowledge. You know, there's a reason why the girl keeps attracting the alcoholic who in the end beats her. I keep mm. attracting the same guy. There's a reason for that. There's a reason why you will self-sabotage. 
as a guy when you're going for that job or whatever. There's a reason. Go back to your childhood. That's the key for self-sabotage. And people say to me, Dr. Rob, what's the, what's the gateway drug? Is it, is it marijuana? Tell me it's marijuana. It's trauma. Trauma is the gateway for everything that we do today. It affects our relationships with everybody, our work ethic, the fact that we can't live in that house because my mom and dad used to live in this house. So why would a dream of living in that million-dollar house? I mean, it's far beyond me. No, it isn't. The guy living in the million-dollar house and you, <clears throat> one difference and one difference only. First of all, he believes he could do it and he thinks he's worthy. And I, do, I didn't or you, you didn't. No difference. No difference. Everything's there for the taking. So we go back to quantum physics. And we look at quantum physics, it says that we can be lots of places at the same time. Well, I want to be where that CEO is, with that house and that wife. How are you going to get there? Walk over and take the position. Don't beg for it. Don't dream of it. One of my biggest things is I'm living the dreams that are dreaming of living. Because, guys, when I was on the streets, I used to dream of sat at a, a dinner table with a few friends and maybe a nice wife once. I used to dream of living. And I spun that round, and now I'm living the fucking dream. Nobody's taking it off me. You know, people say, oh, you watch that pink cloud. You're on a pink cloud, Rob. Been on a pink cloud for over 30 years. I ain't coming up. You go, well, I, I don't know whether, and you're 40-something years old. Let me tell you something. You have about 25 summers left. On average, that's what the Bible says. 25 summers, and you're done. When you look at it like that, 25 summers? 25 summer times? Is that all I've got? Yeah. Go out and do it. What's the worst can happen? Look at the Beatles. They were turned down. I don't even know how many times they turned down. You know? Uh, look at the writer with uh, Hogwarts. You know, she was turned down over a hundred times. Was, yes. She's now a billionaire. She's the only mm -hmm. woman author billionaire. I mean, we get turned down, but that's part of our success. You know? How, how can you but teach or help others when... You haven't failed at something. Yeah, true. I mean, and putting yourself out there, you know, that's getting on the skinny branch, like, you know, really taking uh, a chance on yourself, right? And saying, like, I can do this. And then not even just telling yourself you're going to do it, but actually go out and do it. And, and things can get really, really scary. Like when I, in 2003, I left, uh, you know, the comfort and kind of the confines of the corporate life. And I moved to New York on my own with a dream to act, mm -hmm. get on stage and also discover more of myself and live more of a creative life. And I remember waking up um, on the morning of June 3rd, 2003, you know, the first day that of, of like I had, re I had, you know, retired, not retired, but like left my job. I was totally out on my own, but setting, setting myself up for success. So like walking myself into that moment over two years to get, uh, you know, to literally dive into the unknown. And it's the, it's the best thing I've ever done. Um, but it takes work. It takes uh, always. Uh, I think there is um, the trauma. I would love. I would love, Doctor Rob. You know, you talked about um, going back and visiting your childhood trauma, um, like seven years ago. I love to hear more about that journey and the things that come up for you and, and the obstacles you need to overcome. Um, and also, like I come from a family um, that you know what you literally when, what i needed to do in order to overcome and then take that big risk and dive into the ocean of new york city is i worked for two years three years of like journaling meditating getting out of my comfort zone and doing things that were very uncomfortable for me 
um, and, and in the process, developing the strength that like the internal self-esteem and confidence that, you know what, I have the ability to do what it takes to live my dream to do like, and not even like, I think a lot of people, um, or I know my experience in some ways, uh, it's just like, you don't know what's going to happen next. And you just have to develop this <laughs> internal strength by actively doing things like actively going out and fight failing falling flat on your face and then learning from that failure and um and then keep going forward uh and um i know that uh i was living a script that was fed to me as a young child that that in new york city that as a young child that um you know i was told it's just like well go to school you know get your education get a house get a car get a wife have some kids hit retirement at 65 and then and then you can start living you know, and, 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 and really, and in the middle of all of that, you know, and I love my family dearly, we would get together very often and we'd be, you know, drinking, complaining about life and just all kind of in this, you know, this self-sabotaging soup, if you will, yeah. that we kept like throwing different elements in. So it just seems more tastier when it's actually just absolutely bitter all the time. Um, so, uh, yeah. so, yeah, I would love to hear that. Yeah. Or go ahead, John. I'll tell you something now, though, if, if, um, if, if you're at home thinking, well, how do I do that? How do I start that? You know, is it possible I can do it? <clears throat> or if you don't think you're good enough, first of all, I want to apologize to you. Somebody's put that there. We're not born this way. And secondly, every person who's successful, and I mean successful, a husband, wife, father, they have a routine. Every businessman, every successful financial guy, every superstar, every football player, musician, they have a routine in their life. Routine will conquer anything. Routine will cut down on self-sabotaging behavior and neural pathways. It will cut down. And my routine when I started was breakfast, sorry, make my bed, breakfast, uh, dinner, and lunch. <clears throat> Maybe that was it. But i tell you something. Every time I did something, I crossed it off. And I tell all my guys, put five things down you're going to do today. Every morning, put five things down you're going to accomplish and check them off as you go along and it'll cut down. So <clears throat> when we talk about our trauma, we talk about going back to the past. We wonder why we stay in that mindset going into our 20s, 30s, 40s, even until you die in your 70s. We wonder why. So I'm not sure that I explained this last time, but for the new guys listening, there was a girl back in the UK where I'm from, just in case you're thinking I'm from East Texas, <laughs> from England. Manchester in the Manchester, house. Manchester's <laughs> in the house. Uh, there was a girl snatched off the side of the road. Uh, many years ago and there was a huge manhunt in Manchester for her and after about a month or something they, they couldn't find her and then it was six months she's still missing and they pulled the manhunt and they scaled down to one person on the case it was a cold case about nine months after there's a police car following another car down the road broken taillight so they pulled him over <clears throat> you're allowed to search the car back then with nothing no warrant nothing they searched his car and in the trunk was a stolen screwdriver <clears throat> so they went, okay, we're now allowed to go back to the house and see what else you've stolen. Went back to the house, showing off all the other stolen stuff. But they wanted bigger stuff like lawnmowers and stuff. So they see these big, big box in the corner. It's about four foot high and about 12 foot wide. And the guys and the policeman said, what's in there? And said, oh, I don't know. It's nothing. It's not mine. I've never been in there. So obviously there's, there's uh, big stuff in there that doesn't want anyone to know. So they smashed the lock off and they opened the box. And there was a 17-year-old girl that had gone missing nine months ago. He used to take her out every day, rape her, beat her, feed her, restroom, put her back in. For nine months, he did that. So they opened the box and there she was. She was alive. She was awake. She was battered and bruised. 
the policewoman leant over, picked her, took her hand and, and she stepped over the box. The policewoman took her coat off and put it around her. What's the first thing she did? Uh, she got back in the box. Back in the box. <laughs> yeah, she got back in the box. Or tried to get mm. back in the box, yeah. That's how our mind works. So when you go back to trauma as a kid and, and your parents are, are, are putting thoughts in your head that you can do this, but you can't do that, and this is the way it is, blah, 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 then we grow up with that. It's very hard to turn that around unless you have some sort of mindset change. You have a, you have a change of mind, psychic, neural pathway change. So because all that stuff's keeping you down. <clears throat> now, with my alcoholic brain... I hear things differently <clears throat> than my brother who's not affected by addiction. So say me and him are on the kitchen table, for instance, my mom walks in, we're not supposed to be on the kitchen table. And she says to both of us, get down off that kitchen table, you stupid idiot. What my brother hears is what she says, get down off that table, you stupid idiot, get down. He jumps down, I freeze. Mm. The reason why I freeze is because what I've heard is, get out of that table, you stupid idiot. Self-sabotage from then on. When someone says something jokingly, I'm going to pick it apart and find out that they're really taking a dig at me. They're really saying, you know, things that are bad. Another incident for me is we couldn't really afford new clothes. So, you know, stuff was handed down from cousins. I had a shirt on once that were three buttons were missing. And my mom and dad had a party that night. And what my mom did to save face is she took the other buttons off so that this just looks like a nice shirt, like an over jacket, if you will. But I knew there's supposed to be buttons on there. And I felt less than because I didn't have any buttons on there. And somebody said, didn't that used to have buttons on? And that sent me to my bedroom crying and screaming for at least a couple of hours. Wow. Now, that affected me as I went into my adult life. What the hell is mm. that you've got on? Wow, I'm straight back. I'm, I'm closed off. I'm embarrassed. I don't know what to do. You know, anything said that I picked up as a child would set me right back to that child, that defenseless child. So inner, inner child work needs to be done. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, always being picked last on the football team. You know, oh, I'll Jimmy, I'll have Pete, two captains at the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck it. Yeah, come on, Rob. That was horrible for me absolutely horrible so what i used to do when we had conferences not when i was doing what i do now but when i used to attend conferences um uh, is there'd be a thousand people in that room and i was always one stood on my own just in case they saw my missing buttons does that mm. make sense yeah 100 so when we go back to a patient i was working with um his father was a, a marathon runner and an 800 meters runner and he actually ran for the country uh, so his little boy growing up, he must have been about nine at the time. He always wanted him to race. So he's getting him to race at school. And there was an actual race at school on, uh, on sports day. And there were four people. That's all they were. But the three, the first three got a t-shirt. So he ran and he tried his best and he come forth. And that affected the relationship with him and his dad. So when we went back to that trauma and pulled that apart, and this guy was in his forties, fifties, when I was working with him a few months ago. We found out for the last 40 years, he's been trying to chase that T-shirt. Wow. Boom. And he broke down when he heard that. But it's so true, you know, the childhood mm. trauma and damage that we do. And I'm going to say it again, anything less than nurturing as a child is child abuse. <clears throat> years and years ago, we didn't know this. Like my parents would take me down to their friend's house. They were all big drinkers. 
and they dropped me off there so mom and dad could go out drinking. When mom and dad had left, there was a game called Everybody Gets Naked. And we'd always to get naked in the house. The, the, the caregivers who was looking after me, you know, a couple of other people all get naked. I thought that was normal until I grew mm. up and I couldn't get naked in front of anybody. No girlfriends, no first wife, nothing. I couldn't let you see me naked. That, that affected one of the things I, work, I worked on six, months, six years ago. And I only used to take my top off recently. I would never take my top off. Never. Even when I was bodybuilding. I was going out for this competition and a photographer come and say, hey, take your top off, Rob, come on, let's see. I was like, no, 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 I'm too fat. I don't, I don't like it. That affected me, you know? Oh, Rob, come on, we're having a pool party next week. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to go to that. I'm good. The reason I didn't want to go to it, it's 110 degrees, and I'm sat there with, a, with a, one of these on because I don't want to take it off. Childhood trauma. And we have to mm. look at that, dissect it, look at what it's about, see that it's not true, the untruth. And then we have to work on that specific trauma to bring you back. So we do work on the inner child. That's what I did and I teach today to bring you back into normal day-to-day -day running today. And then you realize that your confidence needs to be built up. And once you start to attain things, and once you start to conquer things, the setbacks are nothing because you will find in this life. And if you take nothing from this podcast, please take this. I'm 60 years old. I have a lot of experience. And I'm older than everybody else. Listen to this. But listen to this. If you go for that job and you don't get it, there is a reason you didn't get it. And people go, well, just that once 60 years of experience I have, believe me, 7,000 patients, there's not one person I know that didn't get that job, that car, that house, that girl, that something didn't happen better going on once you're living your life to the full which means complimenting people, doing favors for people, you know, smiling every day, all these things that we do to bring to the world because we never know who sees us and what, how they feed off us. You know, when I say thank you, dopamine's released into my brain. I love dopamine. It's a free, good, feel-good drug. But all these things are education regarding trauma. And if you don't know, we don't know. Wow. I think that a lot of the time, Dr. Rob, when we talk about or hear about self-sabotage, it kind of automatically jumps to our mind that we're talking about alcoholism um, or drug abuse. I, and I know in every day, just about all of us have some level of self-sabotage that is more mild than that um, without even recognizing it. Can, can we talk about that? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe like, hey, I set a goal to get up in the morning like tomorrow morning, I today I'm setting a goal to get up tomorrow morning to hit the gym, but my alarm goes off tomorrow morning and I'm like, uh, I'll do it later. You know, mm. procrastination that is in and of itself a, a form of self-sabotage, but many people don't recognize it as such. Can we talk about other, other forms of self-sabotage and how to overcome those? That's a perfect example you gave of the gym or anyone else that we want to change our life is first of all, we get very complacent with ourselves get back in the box, kind of that kind of thing. So when the alarm goes off, we make excuses. We have not got one reason why we shouldn't get up and go, but we make these excuses, just like my parents used to make excuses. And <clears throat> it's the commitment that we're fear of. You know, we don't really want to get a routine, go out and do this stuff every single day because of the, <clears throat> the mild form of failure. <clears throat> if I go to the gym, like, yeah, it's only going to last a week. Says who? Hmm. Well, that's what happened before. Everybody listening to this can change right now from today. Change your life around, you know. But that self-sabotage, again, goes back 
any kind of self-sabotage goes back to parents, goes back to caregivers as a child that you brought through. You need to you need to get a routine, but you need to look at yourself and, and decide what you want in life. Nobody else. It's not up to you to make your wife happy or your girlfriend or husband happy. It's up to you to make you happy. What do you want to change? Make a list of what you want to change and start living that list. And people all the time used to laugh at me 20 years ago. When ex-businessmen who's lost their jobs for whatever reason used to come, or ex-footballers that are disgraced, or people who just want to better themselves, I take them to the Porsche dealerships and, and sit them in the car, and we go for the test drive in the 911s. This is a 100 grand car. And then we go to the million-dollar houses, and we start walking around there. And then what happens is when you succeed, because you will when you come working with me, and you go and buy that 911, what the brain goes, it goes, oh, yeah. I've been here before. This feels comfortable rather than freaking out. And that's what happens in the morning when the alarm clock goes off. You know, mm. the gym at that time is not familiar. So once you get up and do it once, what they call the gym bug, you'll do over and over and over again. And repetition strengthens and confirms and becomes the future. But it's that first get out of bed. It's like, what do you really want in life? Make a list if you have to. Because if you make a list of your future, I literally have, I earned my own into my bank account for this last year, January till January, just over a million dollars. So I have a check on my wall now for two million. Mm -hmm. That's how much I'll get paid this year. Everything is attainable, but we're just scared. We're scared of getting up when that alarm goes off. Mm -hmm. It's like you have, everybody loves leaders. Everybody needs leaders. Start being the leader in your house. Start leading by example. Start putting them positive thoughts in. I say to myself every morning in the mirror, looking at myself, I love you. I've done it for 20 odd years. I love you. I love you 10 times. And I'm forcing that into my subconscious brain. Now, here's the smart part. I don't have to do anything after that. I'm storing my subconscious brain. But what happens when that alarm clock goes off is I go, wow, I love myself today. Let's get up and do this. I really want to succeed. And by getting up at 5 a.m. when the alarm goes off, into the bathroom, say you, I love you 10 times, and get to the gym, that then becomes the norm. Repetition strengthens and confirms. And mm. that's how we kind of throw that mild self-sabotage out of the window and change. Remember, neuroplasticity, you can change neural pathways. Now, it will work on the reverse to that as well. If you hang around with nine depressed people, you will become the 10th. If you hang around with nine losers, you will become of the 10th, you know? So it's all about showing me your friends, showing your future. So what I would do when the alarm goes off is I would make sure I had a training partner waiting at the gym for 5.30. Then I've got no choice. And that makes me go. And once we start going and we start seeing the results, then you get into that healthy balance. I think part of the success we have with the show is John and I leaning into each other and Lindsay you know, like really trying to, like we push each other, you know, this is brand new uncharted territory for us. And we're getting better and better every single week, every episode that we do. Um, but I know my feeling having working with John, you know, I'm willing to take more risks, but also I have yeah. that accountability as well. Uh, plus we have a grand vision in, in how we want to help people and how many people we want to help with this. But I, I like what you're, um, you know, you're referring to a lot of things, um, Dr. Rob, and it's not just like, you know, I think we use the mind, you know, to for self-talk as well as to uh, to put forth a plan 
you know, but also to seek the help that we need. Uh, action is super important, you know, because the action, just like, you know, sitting yourself, taking the action with your clients or do this for yourself and sitting yourself into that 911 Porsche begins to get the feeling in there, right? Which is super important instead of you know, having the feelings of that self-sabotage, that resistance, that negative self-talk and all those, and those negative feelings that come with it, like using our mind, using our body to take actions like intentional and uh, very, um, you know, specific well, action. Well, here's yeah, a question yeah. for you. I'm listening. Is the mind and the brain the same thing? Uh, the, I, that's the, I'm going to refer that to, to, to you, doctor of psychology. No, <laughs> you tell no. me. So here, here's, I was going to extension of what we were just saying. Great. You Thank mentioned you. the mind. So there's the brain, there's the mind. Okay. The mind sits inside the brain. It's energy. It's uh, like electricity. It's, it's power. Okay. That's why people go, well, I've made my mind up, but the body's not following. Cause what happens is we can make our mind up. Once we do, it will tell the brain what to do. Okay. So the brain is more like a muscle or organ where neural pathways and central nervous system feeding off it. The mind is like a ball of energy. This brain you can take out, you could feel everything's going great. You know, you can actually dissect it with the mind. You cannot because it's, mm. you can't see it, you can't feel it, you can't touch it. It's where the old saying comes, well, I've made my mind up to do this. So what happens is I've made my mind up to go to the gym tomorrow. When you tell you that self up, the mind will release into the brain. Now the neural pathways and the neurons are sparking when the alarm goes off, going, fuck yeah, let's get up and do this. So we have to remember they are different. The mind will tell the brain what to do. But what happens with the mind that it's such damage coming from uh, childhood that it doesn't really want to do anything. So it leaves it to the brain and the brain will react about what it's around you, the mirroring part of the brain. If I act with this guy that doesn't go training or he's very, he's late, or I'm going to become that person because this is working. But once the mind starts to ignite inside the brain, that's when things become really interesting because mm -hmm. neural pathways can change. The mind is either on or it's off. There's no changing right. it. So to say it's on or it's off. The only mm -hmm. reason the mind says tomorrow morning, five o'clock, I'm getting up, I'm getting up, is you've not said it enough to release it into the brain and, and the subconscious and the prefrontal cortex. You know, it's just a fleeting thought. Fleeting thoughts gets us nothing. You have to get into that mind set to release to the neural pathways in the brain that you're going to do this tomorrow from tomorrow. Here's where I start. I'm going to get up and do so the mind feeds the brain, the brain feeds the central nervous system. And before we know it, day is we're off to the gym in our car. I found that really interesting because a lot yeah, of people don't know that. I think it's the same thing. Right. It's not once you get into the neural science, especially around trauma, self-sabotage is there's no reason at all. Now you can come up with a thousand excuses why not to go to the gym, but you can't come up with a reason once you've made your mind up. Because most people, so I met Arnold Schwarzenegger in the in the late seventies, early eighties. He was doing a tour of England. I was a bodybuilder, the uh, National Amateur Bodybuilder Association. I was a member, and we get to pick him up from the airport, take him to a hotel, and stay with him, showing around, getting to the gigs on time. And I remember talking to him. This is the mind feeding into the brain, and I said to him, "Give me three things you want to do." And he said, "Now, bearing in mind, I can't speak English properly." Bearing in mind is, is he can't act. Pumping iron wasn't really a thing. Uh, he doesn't really know anybody. 
He says, I want to uh, become the highest paid movie actor in the world. When we stopped laughing, he told us <laughs> the second one, which was to become a governor of a state, preferably California. True, true, true story. And thirdly, which I thought was just, I wanted to tell him to go home because that's just impossible. He's going to marry into the Kennedy family. Oh, check, shit. Check and check. I've actually got a photograph back, uh, uh, back in uh, Dallas where me and him and another girl, unfortunately, a girlfriend, I can't show it the wife, uh, I stood together <laughs> in, in the hotel room. And there are three things he told me. But he only, he only achieved that because his mind, he's made his mind up that that's what he was going to do. So Arnold Schwarzenegger is a perfect example of making one's mind up to do something. Then the brain reacts to that. If you don't have your mind set, and these all these sayings come from, you don't have the mind set, the brain will not react. And it's the brain that makes things happen. There's the thought pattern, the mindset, I made my mind up, and then this brain with all its functions will make that shit happen. And you've only got to be successful a couple of times and you have a bug, man, you know? And everybody yeah. affects everybody when they leave the door, when they go outside. I know what it's like, you know, to do things with somebody else. It's like, should we do this? I don't know. I was in Dallas for 12 years and I hung around with these guys that were, eh, okay. And I said to a couple of them one day, I said, you know something, guys? I was all, I was all excited, thinking of writing a book. The first one said, I'm stupid. You're not a freaking author, Rob. The other one said, that's just, that's a pipe dream, buddy. It takes a lot of, you know, I never wrote a book, guys. I come to San Antonio three years ago and I'm, I'm hanging with, a, with a four or five people that are awesome, four or five people that were mind-blowing to me. And uh, I said to him, hey, Rick and friends, I'm thinking of writing a book. Rick says, oh, my God, you've not got a book out there? Are you insane? And the other couple said, oh, my God, I would buy that book right now. So I wrote a book. I set my mind up to make the book, and the book was produced because other people went, wow, yeah. So it's like you three together. Well, should we do that? I don't, yeah. Well, is it going as well? Of course it is. Okay, then I'll do it because each mind's are contacting each other energy and going, yes, we can mm -hmm. do this. And then when you get that last time we spoke, um, you affected my lives. All three of you affected my life going forward. Some of the things were said in there that you guys said were very powerful. You know, then you have a powerful woman behind you that are running you two guys on the show. It was mm -hmm. such a combination that had an effect on me mm -hmm. going forward. You know, it's mind blowing what we do for each other, but we never know because we don't get told. And I make it, a th I don't, I can't tell anybody they're amazing if they're not, because I could kill them doing that. But when something happens, I make it, I make it a point of telling them, this is the effect you have just had on my life. And then that gives you another mindset about what we're doing. Cause sometimes it gets very lonely. What we, we do guys. Yeah. In Indeed. some ways for sure. Um, uh, this, I, I keep a lot of what you're, what we've been talking about. We got like, maybe like, uh, like about seven or eight minutes is like the circles of influences in our life. And you just kind of referred to the people, like you show me your friends, I show your future. And that's something like I repeat to myself from our first episode often, I've shared that with other, you know, people in my life, family, colleagues and stuff. But also, you know, um, what about the self-sabotaging effects of your environment, of your home? Like if you are have a home that is disorganized and, you know, just kind of trashed everywhere and you're stepping over things or clearing off desks in order to eat or, you know, I feel like 
your environment, whether it's circle of friends, whether it's your home, whether it's like, you know, um, if you're complaining about your life out there in the world, whether it's at work or with other people, um, you know, really continually brings up more of that trauma. Right. Uh, mm. And also more of those voices, because um, I think that's I, I mean, because that is that a good place to start just by changing your circle of influences or, awesome. or yeah, or even the house, you know, if you live in an right. apartment or you're living at home with mom and dad, I always say, um, if, if, if you're going to succeed, show me your bedroom. Or if you're going to succeed, you go. let me come back to the house with you. You know, because you can walk in my house 24-7, and uh, we have three English Bulldogs, two cats, and there's me and Janet, and you can eat off the floor, everything's in its place. Clean house, clean life, clean mind. What, you'll find out that it comes from parents as well. One of my nieces, terrible. She comes in, she stays in the bedroom, the suitcases, there's everything over and then the first thing that, uh, that her sister said, oh, she's just like a mom. There you go. You want to start achieving things, guys? Get up in the morning, make your bed. Even if you're married, make your bed. Number one, we're off to a start. And the mind likes that. The mind likes successes. Okay? It loves successes. Mm. Little yeah. tiny successes lead to huge successes. Mm. But you ask most people whether it'll start for you. I started to reorganize things in my life that were cluttering my thought pattern. It's a well, it's, it, the, the science has been proven that if you sleep in a cluttered room, the thought mm. patterns and dreams are not the same as if you sleep in a tidy room where everything's put in its place. Isn't that crazy? And that flips yeah. over to our life. If, you're, if your apartment's com completely disgusting when you go there, then your life is probably going to be because your standards are low, you can't be complacent, and you're lazy. That's just mm. it. Yeah. And you keep feeling that. You know, you keep feeling that laziness. You keep, you know, well, as well as well as that, Mike. You know, listen to this. So you don't only come accustomed to it; you become to rely on it. So your trauma becomes. You need to live in trauma. You need to live in in messy where people are always complaining because it comes back from not only your family but the house you're living in. You can't have clean conversations and everyone getting up at the same time. You need to live in that trauma. And I know people around me that does that. They will always cause some sort of trauma. Then they call me, hey, Rob, do you know what Johnny did? I'm like, stop. I don't get dragged into that stuff. That's you. You want to live in that drama? That's great. I don't do that stuff, you know? But it all, it, all these things, all these little things actually merge together to become that guy. And the, the most precious thing one can have is peace. In between mm -hmm. these two ears is peace. And if you're going onto a cluttered house every night, you're not going to be as peaceful if you're going on to a clean and tidy house yeah i think that's where meditation and mindfulness can really 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 help just sitting getting quiet uh, getting <coughs> to understand your voices in your head um realizing that they're just voices and you know uh, and detaching from them and just trying to you know my meditation for the last um except when i'm doing john's meditation which is peace and relaxation uh it's just been like i'm just monitoring to myself i am loving peace i am loving peace i am loving peace over and over and over again and what you've got to so remember just... about meditation is and sorry yeah. to interrupt i'm really no sorry, no, no go for it please now i've got a head like a sieve it'll go in a second it's really interesting <laughs> same here well the latest <laughs> findings have found out that when we go into deep meditation not only does it repair the body repairs all the damage you are in a, most people say when they come back from a near-death experience that just before they died it was so peaceful and every, every, everything started to close down, but it felt like they were being healed from the inside. The latest scientific research, you can Google this, is that when we get into a medita deep meditation, proper meditation, you, you, your mind or your brain goes to the same place as just before you're going to die. 
Mm. So you're not think so everything starts to repair from the inside. Mm. Like I'm not my mind is clear. I'm in a relaxed state. All the cells start to re-energize. My thought patterns are clearer because I'm at that state that I don't worry about anything else outside the black space that I'm thinking about. Isn't that amazing? Mm. That's how important meditation is. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, I have to throw it in there before it went through the window. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just, you just, yeah, you're just, um, you know, um, re, you know, um, oh God, I can't think of my words that I don't know where my words are, but you're yeah, just like reinforcing, reinforcing mm. what, what I'm saying anyway, you know, and really what so much of this uh, show stands for. And, and, you know, reason we, instead of just talking about and getting the wisdom from our great guests like yourself, and, and I got to tell you, Dr. Right, before, before I forget, you are awesome. And I love do talk. I love talking to you, and I love seeing that smile on your face when you hear that you are awesome because you're really putting the work out there. But you know, if we have like what we're developing with men talking mindfulness is, I think, a positive circle of influence and ways to practice so you can find more of that peace, and you know, and begin to look out beyond you know the, those voices and the darkness and the resistance you know that comes with the self sabotage, and then start to see yourself in a new light. And then start to move and take action and start to feel your way into that uh, into that greater self. Um, it's amazing. It's been awesome, Dr. Rob. This has been really great. One thing you've got to ask yourself during the day, guys, is this. Am I mindful or am I mindful? Mm -hmm. That's a difference. It's a huge difference. There's a picture uh, that's similar where a, a man is walking his dog and it has little thought bubbles out of each one of their heads. And the dog... It says mindful and you know it's just a it's a, a reproduction of the image of the dog and the the owner and nothing else and then the man it says mindful and there's mm. his to-do list and everything else that's that's how many of us live every day is mind full instead of mindful but dr rob this has been awesome as was our last episode thank you so much for coming on um if if our listeners or watchers wanted to get a hold of you i know you gave out your phone number last time What's the, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Got some great calls, by the way. Uh, just punch into any uh, Google or any search engine, Dr. Rob Kelly, R-O-B-B-K-E-L-L-Y.com. It's a website. My number's on there. In fact, you can click a button on there and I'll come straight through to me personally and my cell phone if we can help in any way. Yeah. And if you sat at home going, well, I'd like to do that, but I don't do it. And like, I'm, I'm pretty short on money. Listen, call me. I'll give you a 10-minute pet talk. So I've added to this, guys. I'll give you a 10-minute pet talk that will change your life, period. And if it doesn't, I'm going to send you $500. Wow. There you <laughs> go. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like, you better make that $2 million, Dr. It Rob. You better make that $2 million. <laughs> Jesus, well, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Thanks All so right. much, guys. Thank you for having me on. I'm so blessed. Will? In awe. I don't know how. I don't know if we have enough time to do the uh, the wrapping up practice, my my brother. You know, but. let's say you know what. Let's just take. Uh, we're gonna take. We're just gonna do a couple breaths, guys. That's all we're gonna do, right? To get us into more of that peace, to experience more of that peace. So uh, eyes closed, eyes open. Try to just stop what you're doing. Let's exhale the breath out the back of the throat, ah, releasing some of that stress energy right in our face and in our jaw and our shoulders. Right. Let's take a big, big, giant breath in. Exhale, nice haw out. Ah, ah. So let's do a couple more bigger breaths. So really fill big balloon in your torso. Keep going, keep going. Exhale, nice cooling sigh out. Ah, feel yourself releasing that energy of stress. And we'll do one more big giant breath in. Very nice. Good. Exhale, let it go. Ah, 
and just a few breaths can really help eradicate that vo those voices of self-sabotage, get you into the here and now, and begin to maybe uh, create a circle of influence that can really help you living your dreams. Thank you, Dr. Rob, once again. Thank you, John. This is Men Talking Mindfulness. We love doing this work. And please, if you can, take a screenshot. If you're listening on your phone and uh, share it on your social and tell people that you become more mindful and, and a better person because of Men Talking Mindfulness, we really appreciate it. Dr. Rob, love you so much. You are an awesome person. We love having your influence on our show. And um, anything else, John, before we close? No, that's it. Or Dr. So Rob. Much, Dr. Rob. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure. Take care. Pleasure. Peace. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for joining Will and John on Men Talking Mindfulness. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share it with your friends and family. And please, we would appreciate a review too. Until next time, this has been Men Talking Mindfulness. Thanks for showing up.